Good day, everyone, and welcome to the January Talk with Tom conference call. I'm your host, Aaron Wilker, and I am asking the questions that you have submitted to my coach, my mentor, and my friend, Tom Hart. And today's Talk with Tom is being brought to you by Tom's upcoming seminar in Denver, Colorado, called Living Life with Intention. And this is a weekend event. It is happening the weekend of February 15th and 16th. And this would make a great Valentine's Day gift for you and your significant other. It is a wonderful weekend spent in beautiful Denver, Colorado, working with Tom Hart and Ken Santistivan. It's a mouthful. Um, Working together, the two of them, they'll be moving you closer to the goals that you've written down for 2014 and for the rest of your life. Tom, uh, using his success series principles, and Ken teaching yoga. And again, this is at the Thrive Integrated Health Center in Denver, Colorado. It is the weekend of February 15th and 16th. And if you go to Tom's website, www.successseriesllc.com and under the events tab is the Living Life with Intention weekend and you can sign up there for this event. That being said, I would now like to introduce to you Tom Hart. Good afternoon, Tom. How are you today? Hello, Aaron. I'm doing well. You know, let me add something on that uh, sponsorship. We've got an early bird discount. If uh, they uh, go to the website and sign up, we're going to extend that for another week because this um, conference, this uh, seminar weekend, is just a couple of weeks away, but this talk with Tom is kind of crunching up on that date, that event date, where normally um, uh, we'd have more time than just a couple weeks away for that that early bird special uh, expiring today. So let's extend it another week uh, so that the listeners can go to the website and uh, through January, I mean uh, February 7th, let's have that $100 discount continue. Very very good. Excellent. So one week uh, going through – February 7th would be, would be then, or February 8th would be the last day then of the discount. The 7th is the Friday, the 8th is a Saturday. Which would only be a week before the event, so right. we'll extend it through that period. Very good. And then please apologize to Ken for me butchering his last name <laughs> when you talk to him. <laughs> Santisman. So, yeah, so, Tom. What have you been up to? How's your January been? Well, um, you know, this this uh, time of year, everybody's kind of focused on goals, and I'm no different. Uh, the week between Christmas and New Year's is usually uh, spent in the mountains of Colorado with my daughter, Karen, and we did not do that this year, though we did do uh, separately what we usually do together during that time, which is goal setting and, and uh, looking at the year ahead. Um, 
there's a couple of tools that are posted in our uh, resources on the website that would be helpful to folks um, uh, in their uh, goal achievement and goal setting. Um, the personal strategic plan is kind of a framework for setting uh, your top three goals in the seven life areas. Um, the master calendar gives you a template for planning out your year ahead. It's in Excel. Uh, there's also a PDF download if you'd prefer to work that way. With the Excel file, you can personalize it and um, put in the starting date, and it just uh, sequences through the entire year, giving you the right day and the right date for the particular year that you're on. It's got national holidays already in there, and then you can work around uh, your uh, schedule for the year. Uh, we also have the Ideal Week template, which is a uh, great tool for uh, outlining your week ahead. And then lastly, I'd like to uh, mention that if you go to the coaching page, there's a coaching questionnaire for clients, uh, new clients that are interested in having coaching. And that questionnaire has a series of, of really uh, reflective kinds of questions that would probably be a good tool to use for goal setting as well. It, uh, it kind of places you in that that place of, of uh, introspective and what you want to achieve uh, on a life macro basis, but that would be a good tool to use um, for goal setting at this time of year as well. So I'm no different than most as I kind of look at the year ahead with optimism and, and uh, uh, possibility. Um, personally, my focus life area this year is physical. Um, I advocate that, you know, of the seven life areas, um, a year ought to have a theme or maybe a six-month period ought to have a theme that is kind of your 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 must-focus area. For me, it happens to be physical this year, body health, uh, nutrition, that kind of a thing. And, um, and, and when one does that, um, the best example I use to what that means is that if you were to invite me to do something that's in my focus year, I can't say no. So if you were to say, gee, Tom, you want to go play some basketball tonight? I'd have to say yes. Now, if you said, you know, do you want to go out and uh, watch a movie or do something like that, that's more recreational, then I might be able to say, well, you know, I, 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 just, I, I, I need to swing it here or there or let's do it on this day or that time. But if you say something that's in my focus here, then I've got to say yes. And that's a way to really push progress in that area. Uh, so if it were a financial focus year and you said, um, you know, why don't you crank up the savings a couple of percent, I'd have to say yes. I'd have to do it. I'd have to make a difference that way. Uh, for me, my big, hairy, audacious goal this year is um, to launch our new social media platform for success series. And then in the real estate area, I'm going to be breaking ground on my next project, which is a 1,000-acre master plan community, and looking forward to that as well. Okay. You asked for the month of January, um, and because of this mindset that most folks are in, where I've been busy with the coaching and the business consulting with clients around the topic of uh, goal setting and achievement tools and, and the like, and everybody kind of has a positive attitude for the months ahead, and, uh, you know, 2013 was better than 2012, 2014 is going to be even better than 2013, 
kind of feel like the Great Recession recovery is well underway. Um, my high net worth clients and family office clients and and even the the, the personal coaching and me personally um, weren't surprised that the stock market kind of had a sell-off here mid-month after increasing 25% for the year. Why um, I, I knew some, some sell-off was coming, some profit-taking had to happen. And sure enough, in the last couple of weeks it did, but don't let that discourage you why uh, things are moving forward. Capital that's been on the sidelines is starting to come in to play the game again. So uh, it's all good. Unfortunately, there's some tax law changes that are impacting many of those uh, investors and clients of mine uh, with the uh, upper incomes. But, um, you know, just some prudent tax planning and and people can uh, get their arms around this, this new uh, tax rate that we're all facing now. Very good. A quick question for you. You said something about family office clients, and that's a term I've never heard you or anyone else say. So just real quick for my sake, what is a family office client? What well, family a family office, office <laughs> yeah, a family office is a term that's used uh, mainly in, in tax accounting circles, uh, legal circles. Um, it is a, uh, an entity, if you will, a family entity that maybe, maybe a family owns a business or they have a legacy of a couple of generations or there's some kind of a, of a, um, secession plan that's, that's in place for, um, the, 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 the business itself. And really, and really what it, what it is is a term that means that the, the totality of the family, like the, the the family name, the people, the the siblings, the 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 kids, the the founder, you know, all that has come and will will yet to come in this legacy, um, have kind of an informal uh, business, if you will, that is the family, and um, uh, it could be as informal as getting together once a year over Thanksgiving dinner and talking business you know, talking the family business, uh, or it could be as formal as, you know, an appointed board and quarterly meetings and, and um, you know, discussions around goals that are family-driven because of the business or, or the philanthropy that they might do or something of the like. My role uh, for, uh, for my consulting, what makes a family office client, is a family office having retained me for facilitating or mediating or somehow coaching them uh, through particular stickling points, for instance, or just conducting a retreat of, you know, goal setting and, and, and creative thinking, innovative thinking around whatever their core business might be and some of their personal uh, goals as well, oftentimes. But, um, Typically, those clients come to me through tax professionals or, or attorneys, and I enjoy working with them because it's um, it's kind of a blend of personal and business, and and you know every business is impacted by your own personal mindset. So when you deal with the family dynamics, you can imagine it's uh, quite something. <laughs> yes, very good. Thank you. I appreciate that clarification. So. If there's nothing else, let's get right into today's topic. And today, Tom, I'd like you to talk about uh, failure 
and how is it that when you fail, you can still move forward? That failure is not necessarily a bad thing. It is a good thing. And this comes from Greg in the San Francisco area. He wrote an email asking, I have heard something about failure and experience, but I'm not quite clear on the concept in regards to success. Can you explain it to me? So there you go, Tom. Can you explain to mm. Greg failure and success and how they work together? Yes. Uh, great concept. It, it kind of centers around this this um, label that mistakes are great moments. And what I mean by that is that experience comes from your mistakes, not from your successes. I mean, granted, you, you gain experience from your successes, but you're learning your bettering of the process or the the experience is through what you can apply from having learned mainly from your from your failures or your mistakes um, I would I would direct Greg to the video that we have posted on our website um, this video is a short vignette I think it's maybe six or eight minutes but it it talks about historical figures that we all know and love as great successes and yet, it it gives us their their behind the scenes story of those things of their life that would have been really considered the failures of it. So, for instance, uh, you know Michael Jordan getting cut from his high school basketball team goes on to be the, one of the best basketball players ever in history, and if not the best. And and it was through that. So, so to speak, failure of not making the team that gave him the drive and the knowledge, and and for that matter, the 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 coach worked with him and he applied himself to better his game, and therefore a discipline that he otherwise would not have had had that not happened. Um, Abraham Lincoln was another example in the video. Um, Albert Einstein being being told, uh, you know, that that he wouldn't amount to much. Um, uh, I mean, one thing after another, Lucille Ball, you know, uh, being told that she didn't have much talent, you know, so, uh, in much acting or comedic talent, and, and goes on to be, you know, one of the, the best that's ever been. So um, I, I direct Greg to take a look at that quick video first, just to at least get inspiration. And then uh, let me answer his question more specifically, that um, there is a concept um, uh, within the success circles of failing forward. Um, in Jack Canfield's book, The Success Principles, uh, principle number 18 kind of touches on it. 19 goes on to, no, it was uh, it's 13 and 14 actually. 13 kind of touches on it. 14 kind of goes on to um, talk about uh, uh, taking taking it to the next step, which is beyond that that initial failure and just kind of leaning into things. Um, I've got a couple of, of articles that kind of support this, this idea. Um, Forbes ran an article in November, uh, no, September of 12. Do older or younger entrepreneurs have a greater advantage? And they, they, they cited a study that was done by the Kaufman Institute, which is one of the if not the major entrepreneurial school in the country, uh, certainly one of the, the, the best. And they had done a study of startups and had found that 64% of surviving startups, and, and this is 
this is a, a an interesting statistic because typically if you have five companies, um, three to four of them are going to fail. Only one of them is going to make it. And by make it, I just mean show a profit. And as you know, even a dollar is a profit. So it's not maybe even a significant success, but the odds are one in ten is a significant success, and even those are pretty good odds. But most likely, businesses that start are going to fail. However, this study showed that 64% of those startups that had a founder or a CEO older than the age of 45 would succeed. Um, I came across another study showing that 73% of startups would succeed if that founder were 55 years or older. And what this is showing is that those managers and those founders that are um, driving the business, the strategy, making those decisions around um, win or lose, so to speak, um, are have have a greater success rate because of those lessons that they've learned in their business uh, experience. And so those mistakes that they have made, those considered failures earlier in their career, are actually nothing but a good experience toward uh, a future success. So um, there's a couple of uh, examples of how uh, this, this failing forward actually works, so to speak, in that um, – there is this uh, statistic to prove it out. Um, uh, are you familiar with the name Buckminster Fuller or Bucky yeah, Fuller? Absolutely. Yeah, Buckminster Fuller was one of the greatest inventors. I mean, you know, we all know of Thomas Edison and and uh, others like that, but Bucky Fuller's in that class of as far as number of patents and and innovations, etc. A uh, very outside-the-box kind of guy, of course. But um, uh, Bucky Fuller, uh, best known for the geodesic dome, which is um, uh, a, an architectural um, right. uh, innovation. But but he's he's has a quote: "You can never learn less; you can only learn more." The reason I know so much is because I have made so many mistakes. Great quote. Um, one of those things that um, just sticks with you. Um, I don't know if you know the name uh, Rob Reich. Rob was uh, Labor Secretary under um, Clinton uh, administration. Um, when asked what was the one lesson that he learned, or what was the one um, quote that he learned most from, he said, you know, my kindergarten teacher told me, prepare to, to, to make mistakes, but learn from those mistakes. His kindergarten teacher, so here's somebody that's, you know, five to six years old, learning early to accept uh, mistakes as great moments. Um, wow. Uh, when a you plot, fail, a his teacher. <laughs> yeah, exactly, especially at that age where you would think something like that would be spoken later. <laughs> um, but and he remembered it. How about that? Um, right. 
the other thing that mistakes or, or quote-unquote failures uh, give you is the opportunity not just to learn, but the opportunity to learn why. And feedback is a key component of, of learning from those mistakes. If you can solicit your customers or your spouse or your friends to tell you what it is that they observed that may have been a contributor toward that success and then use that feedback to make corrections. We live in a very revisionist kind of world now. Things are moving so fast that we've got to be nimble. We've got to be quick. And because of that, we want feedback in order to know what direction uh, things are, are, are going and how we can serve that market. And our customers, our, our, um, our clients are, are a key component to that feedback and soliciting for it, welcoming it as a, an opportunity to make improvement is a big value to this fail-forward concept. Right. And, and every, you know, to elaborate on that, I mean, every March um, I send out a survey to my customers, you know, this past year, how did, how did we help you? You know, what did we do right? What do we need to improve upon? How can we, you know, how can we do better to help you be more successful? Um, you know, unfortunately, I get maybe half of those back, but the information that I get back, you know, is very important, and, you know, we put it out there. Um, you know, it's easier for me to then go to my team and say, hey, you know, I know we're doing a good job, but here's the reality and the perception from our clients. This is what we need to work on. And then I ask my team, how do we do this? You know, getting their feedback um, on how we can improve. So from my customers and from my own team, and then, all right, let's create a plan. You know, I think to a certain extent, we're all kind of guilty of believing our own bullshit, so to speak. And I think there's a need to have that outside influence or that perspective so that we kind of hear it. And the, the collective we, so it could be a board, it could be a, a management, it could be an individual that is driving the business or certainly an individual in our personal lives where if we were to ask our significant other, our, our kids, our parents, um, you know, how am I doing? What's your perception of me? How can I, you know, on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being best, how would you rate our relationship, for instance? And then get that feedback. And then from that feedback, ask the question, let's say it's a 7. You know, I rate it a 7. And why, why is it a 7? What would it take to make it a 10? And, and use that to grow, to improve, to, to, um, to, to, to make for an um, uh, alternative course of action. There's a great quote by Mary Kay uh, Ash of Mary Kay Cosmetics, for every failure, there's an alternative course of action. You just have to find it. When you come to a roadblock, take a detour. There's, there is a way. There is a way. Find it. Right. Another example of uh, mistakes being great moments. Um, do you use Post-it notes? <laughs> of course. Of course, don't we all? You know, that was actually a mistake. 
the, really? <laughs> the 3M the 3M Corporation enlisted um, their engineer, a gentleman by the name of Art Fry, to come up with a adhesive that was super strong. I mean, they were after like this 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 super glue. I mean, they didn't call it that at the time, obviously, but but they were looking for this adhesive that would be so strong that it wouldn't be like your typical white Elmer's glue, so to speak. And no kidding, by mistake, the guy comes up with a very low tack, reusable kind of of uh, of adhesive that, when combined with a colleague named Spencer Silver, they promoted this kind of of low uh, tack uh, adhesive on this little pad that would be um, uh, what would become the the post-it note. Now, Silver took this mistake piece of paper that Art Fry had come up with and used it to bookmark as a bookmark. And so he'd move it from page to page to page. And, of course, from there it blossomed into what we know as post-it notes. But, you know, that was actually a mistake. It wasn't what they were after. Um, they were looking for something that was obviously just the opposite, very super strong adhesive. And instead, uh, you know, they come up with this uh, everyday usable product now. I mean, gosh, I'm, I must use a post-it note every day. Absolutely. That's it. I, I, I have a stack on my desk. <laughs> Always, um, that that's, uh, has to be one of the more profitable mistakes for 3M. That's for sure. <laughs> yes, and in fact, they had a policy of um, what did they call it? I think it was like it was like uh, fair bootlegging or something that was that was um, some kind of a term like that, where they basically allowed their engineers to participate in the profitability of whatever they wanted to quote-unquote bootleg as a side product of their research and development. And in fact, um, uh, you know, Art Fry and, and Spencer Silver probably went on to become quite wealthy because of it. it, it it's interesting. And, you know, as I'm working with uh, several friends and business associates on a couple of startup businesses and they're you know they they want everything to be just perfect before before putting it out there they want everything to be just perfect and you know my question to them is why if we sit here and wait for it to be perfect um it'll never get done i said and so let's get it started and then put it out to the public and then get public feedback and that will tell us what we need to improve on and what we need to fix. And um, and I got this concept and idea from a book written by Michael Masterson called Ready, Fire, Aim. And in it, you know, Michael says, hey, you know, get it out there. Start it. And then you can always improve upon it. And to your point, you know, examples of great inventors, look how many different times Thomas uh, 
Edison worked with different filaments and whatnot before he finally came up with the perfect filament for the electric light bulb. <laughs> yeah, his quote is something along the lines of, I learned a thousand ways how not to make a light bulb. You know, it wasn't about failure in his mind where he looked at it like, oh, gee, I, I better stop. I, I'm, not, I'm not getting where I need to be. It was, okay, that's another way. Now I'm getting that much closer to the way that does work. Right. Right. You know, to Greg's question on failing forward, um, there is a um, – I, I wish I knew the term. And, and, and um, if, if, if those who um, are interested would contact me either through the website or a blog comment, uh, I'll find out the name of the term in the meantime. But there, there, there's a there's a term now that's kind of like you know how beta testing is is a, a typical term now that's typically in the software development area where you know Microsoft will come up with some new software and they'll put it out for beta testing and and uh, and and work the kinks out so to speak. There's actually a term like that, but it's not beta testing. It's called something else. Where where a product that's about 50% of where they wanted it to be is put out to market in order to get feedback as to what that market would like to see added to it. And they've shown that with that market feedback, they can add maybe just another 20 or 30% is all. In other words, they, they only need to make a product maybe 50 to 75% of where they thought they would need to be in order to, to hit – 90% of the market or, you know, 50% of that product could hit 80% of the market. So get it out. Like start it revenue generating and then from that revenue start to make benefits or changes or, or get feedback from, from uh, the users in order to actually fine-tune the thing. And, and, and isn't that right in line with your ready-fire-aim? Because most of us, or at least I'm a recovering perfectionist, I, I – I want to wait and wait and wait and do this and refine that and make this better and make that, you know, before just getting it out the door. And and chances are 50 to 75% of it out the door is going to hit 80 to 90 and maybe even more of that market need and therefore good enough, so to speak, starts to generate revenue as opposed to waiting until it's quote-unquote perfect and risking that somebody else is out in front of you and now suddenly you have no market share. Or you're playing catch-up to somebody when you could have been owning that market, you know, with 50% of your products. I, I think a great example of that, and in, in for me, living in the, you know, Silicon Valley area, it's really fun to watch Apple and Samsung with their smartphones. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Who, who can one-up the other, you know, with the mm-hmm. smartphones? But then you think about it, it all started with an you know, an iPod, you know, yes. just Apple and their music, and look yes. where it's come since then. So yes, you know, to, um, to 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 talk more on the metaphysical side of this, there is also a value. I mean, like a true value to having a mistake or a failure. Not just the motivation and the incentive and the drive and the discipline and and the learning 
but there's also kind of an unseen energy that comes with just building momentum. And that unseen energy is going to bring additional opportunities, things that are, that are um, unforeseen, truly, at the beginning of an R&D effort. So part of what, what, what the answer to Greg's question is really relates to the, the universal laws that are encircling this, this abundance and prosperity mentality. Because um, if you knew you couldn't fail, like, you know, you've heard the question, you know, what would you do if you knew you couldn't fail? And, and how mind-blowing that is to imagine. Because typically we all have this built-in limiting thought that starts to second-guess whatever that goal or dream might be and and interrupt the positivity that is brought to it in just a state of of no limits and 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 yet that's that's real it's it's truly real um great singer there's a story you'll find in the success principles about a singer by the name of Jana stanfield and she wrote a song entitled if i were brave and you know youtube that and listen to it but it's basically a song around that very thing like what would you do if you knew you couldn't fail what would you be able to conceive and therefore start to make real because everything we see around us was an idea it started with a thought that thought needs to be refined that refining is what takes place during these mistakes or these quote-unquote failures and because of that, that refining actually makes that product, that experience better. And that's really the, 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 where the rubber meets the road for Greg's uh, question is, you know, tell me about how failure and experience, uh, you know, fit into success. That's how they fit into success. It's almost as if you cannot have a success without some failure, some mistake along the way in order to get to that place of success. So it's kind of like, you know, you've heard me say, you, if you, uh, you want to uh, uh, get something that's in the numbers realm, but you want to gain a new client, well, guess what? You've got to prospect 100 in order to get 10 in order to have one. And that, those, those 100 is a, is a broad market that you're going to glean 10 prospects from, but you're going to get nine no's before you get that one yes. Guess what? Start the no's. Start going. Right. Because if I can get one no, hey, that's great. Now I got you know eight more to go. Another no, seven more to go. Six more, six more. It's not this rejection hit. It is, oh, boy, I'm that much closer to my yes. And those are just, you know, the law of averages. So um, imagine or, or, or picture life, picture life experience, coming from that place of mistakes are great moments, learning, adjusting, adapting, create a success. And with feedback, I can get there faster. Right. And always ask for that feedback. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Asking, 
that that's a no other principle in and of itself is to be sure to ask for it because um, whether your customers whether you ask your customers for the feedback of their perception of your product or service whether you ask for it or not they have that perception they're making their buying decisions based on that perception they are holding it and they're just not telling you wouldn't you rather have them tell you what it is so you can say I will fix that or I will make that improvement or I will you know increase this next version of it to be that much better absolutely because if you don't ask and they don't tell you they're going to go find that from somebody else right and that you know as you were saying going through the nose what was popping into my head is always ask you know when you, if you receive that no I would always want to ask well, what could I do better? What could I do to change your mind to a yes? What do what do I need to do? What does the company need to do? And you may hear, hey, nothing. You guys are great. I just have a relationship with this person here. I'm loyal to this person here. And that just tells me, great, this is the customer I want. So every month or so, I'm going to check back with this guy just to make sure their relationship hasn't changed with whoever they're using. Because if they're yes. loyal, man, I want them. Yes. Well, right. I, I, I believe that answers that question. And um, uh, like I said, if there's interest, I can research that term that's used and uh, uh you know of that of that of that nomenclature uh, for for ready fire aim of getting a product out that's that's you know fifty percent there just to get the feedback in order to make it a final product. Right. Very good. Okay. So, do you have a tip for us then to help with our goals for 2014 as well as? Um, you know, any tools that we can be using as we work out work out and educate ourselves from any failure we may have or bump in the road that we may encounter this year? Yeah. Um, well, you know, a couple of breakthrough uh, thinking ideas around goal setting. Um, I touched on earlier about limiting beliefs and how there's this automatic monkey mind comment in our head that dismisses or diminishes our, our, our dreams, our goals. So uh, I, I guess that the, 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 the number one tip would be uh, acknowledge that voice. Don't try to kill it because that's your ego talking and it will fight for its life if you try to kill it. But if you acknowledge it, then you can say thank you for sharing, and you can move on, and it won't interrupt your 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 growth. Um, so, number one would be um, when that monkey mind speaks up, acknowledge it, and just look at it as a third party observer would look at it. No energy behind it. It's just a comment that was made. It doesn't mean anything. Is there something in what it's saying that you do need to hear that maybe you're ignoring, and if not, let it go. Um, number two, our next stop tends to be procrastination. So we may have very well taken on a desire to uh, achieve something, 
but we're procrastinating it for whatever reasons. I mean, let's just use our earlier example where, you know, we're trying to get it perfect before we get the product out the door. Well, that procrastination in order to uh, not face that rejection or to not have to, um, you know, spend more funds toward research and development or, you know, whatever the stop might be that's procrastinating the action, again, it has to be acknowledged. And often some of these things are subconscious where, you know, it's, it's, it's us doing it. We don't even know we're doing it. And so accountability partners or a coach or a mastermind group, something that would, that would, that would spur that outside third-party observer to say something to you would break through that procrastination, leading you then to productivity. Okay, now that I've got to take an action, how can I be most productive in that action? I mean, um, what tools are out there? What, what way do I run my week or my day in order to be most productive? Um, what is my success formula? You know, everybody ought to kind of look at what works for them. You know, how many hours sleep? What hours of that sleep? Um, uh, what, what's their biorhythm? What's their personal biorhythm as far as productivity in the day? You know, some people do great in the middle of the night. You know, a lot of these software and app developers, you know, they're writing code like from midnight to four where most of us are sleeping. But to them, that's their highlight, productivity, creative hour, and then they're sleeping, you know, till the crack of noon or something. So know yourself, know your productivity uh, self. And then, you know, there's a lot of apps and, and, um, and productivity tools out there. One of my favorites is Evernote, um, which allows me to capture uh, images, uh, photos, or or, or words or um, web pages or, you know, I mean, there's a number of different ways of using it as a productivity tool to archive and to uh, capture ideas or, or, or manage tasks and, and action items. There's many, many others that I uh, go over with my clients. In fact, I've got a workshop called um, a Goals Achievement uh, 101, Goals Achievement Tools, you know, a lot of people set the goal and then they don't have the tools in place to be able to actually achieve those goals. So, you know, I work with clients, and if uh, anyone's interested, they can go to my website, click on the contact tab, send me an email, uh, and I would be glad to uh, uh, drill down on, on that topic alone. Okay. Very good. And, again, that website is www.successseriesllc dot com and real quick um, going into the month of February I've already mentioned the living life with intention um, event that you have coming up the weekend of February 15th and 16th in Denver Colorado is there anything else you've got going on in the month of February Tom any other events or anything like that that you have coming up um, I have a, a couple of uh, private uh, events. I'm working with a, um, a real estate investment trust in L.A. On their, uh, with their executive team on um, strategic planning and some, uh, some uh, executive coaching for some of their key men. Um, other than that and the Living Life with Intention I don't have any events planned for February, and gosh darn it, if February goes as fast as January, we'll be we'll be doing our February talk with Tom here in no time, 
and I'll fill you in on what the month brought that I don't even know is coming yet. <laughs> and looking forward to it. <laughs> yep, very good. And once again, I'd like to mention that this month's call is being brought to you by the Living Life with Intention weekend at the uh, Thrive Integrated Health Center in Denver, Colorado. And Tom has graciously extended the early bird uh, sign up for one more week until February 8th. You'd get a $100 uh, discount for that. And anything else, Tom, that you would like to say? Any homework for us for this month or? Well, I would, I would make the homework, uh, this assessment we talked about earlier, where if there is a inclination on your part to kind of tighten up the goals, or if you have New Year's resolutions that you want to really put some teeth to and make them uh, goals for the year, uh, select a focus area for the year of 2014, I would say go to the website, download some of these free resources, uh, use them to your advantage, uh, distribute them to your friends, uh, sign up for some of the workshops we do so that this can become a, a lifestyle, not just a, a, a decision in a moment that may be fleeting like a New Year's resolution. You know, in about three weeks' time, most people's New Year's resolutions would have been shit-canned, so to speak. Um, round about beginning of January, the fitness centers are cram-packed. But come the end of February, not so. <laughs> come March, a little bit less. I mean, and I'm only using the classic, you know, I want to, I want to lose weight. You know, that's the, the typical New Year's resolution. Uh, it's not a smart goal. It's not specific. It's not measurable. I mean, you know, on down the line of that acronym, S-M-A-R-T. And because of that, they don't have staying power. And so my homework for you would be, if you have resolutions, convert them into goals that are SMART goals, measurable SMART goals. And from that, be able to, uh, to, to, to look at, um, you know, what is that one big audacious goal you want for the year. And, and, and the, the, the thing that makes an audacious goal the big audacious goal is who you become in the process of achieving that goal. So it's got to be way outside your comfort zone. And when it's outside your comfort zone, then it's a big, hairy, audacious goal. When it's something that's, you know, easy and comfortable, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the big ones. Um, but, but to do that, that'll be the homework for the, for the, uh, for the month ahead, and then we will um, reconvene here at the end of February with another talk with us. Right, and for everybody, that next call will be on the last Tuesday of the month for February, which is February 25th. Um, and again, you could go to Tom's website, www.successseriesllc.com, and if you click on the contact tab, if you have a question that you would like asked or answered uh, during these calls, or if you just want to ask Tom a question personally and, and want a private response, that's a good way to do it. Another way to uh, get a hold of Tom or ask a question for these Talk with Tom talks 
is send an email to info at successseriesllc.com or you can call in toll-free to 877-829-6656 and leave a message there, and it will be picked up, and Tom can respond any way uh, you ask to be responded to, or we will ask the question in this call, and Tom can reply for everybody to live and learn from. So once again, Tom, thank you very much for your time and your information. Uh, truly is appreciated. Have a great month of March and enjoy the Living Life with Intention weekend. That sounds like a great uh, weekend. I am Aaron Wilker, and until next month, for Tom Hart, who always says, life is a series of now, so grow your life today. Have a wonderful month of February.